That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beast Living, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one lying caretaker at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHigh.com. <laughs> I always feel like I should say something right there, but I like don't know what to say. And today we have a guest. His name is Ashton. Ashton and I met in a voiceover class at Stage in Dallas, which is an organization where performers can increase their knowledge. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm Ashton Lewis, the aforementioned. I've been in video production for a little while and making the transition over into acting, voice work, different things like that. And so uh, Janae asked me to be on the show this past week and super excited to do it because partly I actually played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast in a high school musical production. So, uh, so I was extra excited uh, to hear about this. <laughs> I'm the biggest theater geek in this room, so I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have scary makeup? I did have scary makeup. I had I had like this giant headdress, which was which was crazy because I had to do a scene like an action scene with like wolves. In fact, right before this minute in the movie, (laughs) the wolf scene, uh, and and I had to I had to roll backwards. Uh, with this giant headdress on, and it fell off during every single <laughs> performance. It was nuts, but it was a great show. It was it was my it most did. it was my favorite show I did in high school, actually. Awesome. We are glad you're here to be with us today and Thank you, sir. share your beastly insights <laughs> <laughs> for this beastly minute. <laughs> We're all about corny jokes here. Okay. Perfect. Good. Good. <laughs> so today we are talking about minute forty-seven, uh, which starts off with Belle getting ready to ride away to freedom and ends with the beast wincing in pain. Janae, do you have anything to kick us off with? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the beginning of this minute is just uh, so poignant. And so we start off with Belle and we see her at her horse. And one of the things that stood out to me when I very first saw this was her hair. Because her hair is like flowing in the wind. The bone chilling cold wind, I'm sure. Yeah. But the shading is so cool. It gives you the feeling that you can see that the moon is out and it's bright because you're seeing a shadow underneath on the underneath (laughs) side of her hair, which I think has always just created a cool dynamic in Mm -hmm. the animation that I think I've always really liked. So um, love that animation. And then... Also, you know, her her big moment of truth and her decision where she decides, okay, am I going to use this opportunity to escape even though this beast just saved me and rescued me or am I going to go help him because he saved me and rescued me? Uh, I, I thought that moment was really poignant too because the music is the the opening music. Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. Uh, so it's sort of this irony of her making the, this, this decision, okay, am I going to go back to the life I had before? When that very song that's playing ultimately says, uh, what is it <sighs> later on in the song? Um, there, there must be more than this provincial life, yeah. right? In that very yeah. song. And so 
Anyway, I thought that was a really interesting dynamic they put in there with the music. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Contributing. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think, Bob? Yeah, uh, my, my my thoughts are pretty much on the same the same lines. The the first notes I had were on her hair and her clothes and how realistic the the movements are and how that makes you really feel like it's real. I don't know. I feel like this cartoon animated Disney movie is a lot more realistic than than the others. I could be completely wrong just because I'm not analyzing all of those one minute at a time, but <laughs> I definitely feel like this one has more realism to it. And it just, the story really sucks you in because of these little things that they do. I mean, especially in this scene, as we're watching them in the snow, you've got these flurries of snow and they don't just make it like a constant movement thing, but there are darker patches or I guess wider patches and thinner patches of snow uh, falling down in sheets, you know, so you kind of see the movement of the snow coming down besides just that snow is falling so it gives it a lot of realism and then as y'all both mentioned this is a huge moment this is do i go back to to freedom to what i know you know she's trying to run away that was her whole point in getting out there and here she has to decide if she's going to do that or if she's going to be a better person and and help the person that helped her even though that's who she was trying to run away from tricky Mm -hmm. stuff well and this makes me wonder a few minutes Previously, we talked about, well, I talked about how I felt like I couldn't really tell whether she was escaping because she really was afraid of him or if she was escaping because she was just like, nope, done. I don't like you. I'm running away because... I don't know. I guess sometimes it's just hard for me to tell like what her motivation is, even though (laughs) it isn't. It is. But anyway. Bobby, I think I would agree with you that Beauty and the Beast does seem to be one of the more, I guess, grounded uh, mm-hmm. of the those classic Disney films in that era. Part of the reason it's probably my favorite of all of those. Uh, it's just, it's a little bit, and, and, and not in a bad way, more of like a tough pill to swallow. Uh, there, There's more to chew on, I feel mm-hmm. like, in this one than a lot of those others. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in most of the other ones, I mean, you have, I guess if we're just going on to the, the Disney princess tropes, most of them kind of either start as a princess or don't really have to do a lot to become princesses. There's not a ton of like dilemmas or anything that they run into. It's not a judge of their character. It's, hey, this is a great princessy person that becomes a princess or that gets through her princessy trial. Whereas Belle, <laughs> it's her character and her decisions that lead her down this path and this adventure that she's going through, not just that's happening to her to get her to the to the end point. Well, and she really does have multiple forks in the road for her to choose yeah. throughout the movie. She's already had how many? I mean, the fact that she decided to go after her father, the fact that she decided to say no to Gaston, the fact that she decided to stay instead of her father, the fact that she decided to run away, the fact that she decided to stay in this minute. Like, she continually (laughs) has these options and these choices presented to her where she has to decide what she's going to do with her life and what she's going to, how she's going to, what kind of person she's going to be, I guess. Yeah. Of course, in this minute being... Sort of a literal fork in the road. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she does decide to go help him. And I love this part because we hearken back to that 
opening scene where like the song that you were talking about ashton about i want adventure in the great wide somewhere mm-hmm. that song she her movements they specifically animated her to be very graceful and ballerina-esque in her movements and that's something we can see again in this minute where she like very gracefully goes over to him and she kind of like does this thing where her hands gracefully like go towards him and then she like pulls them away and then they go to her hand and it's just kind of like looks really (laughs) really graceful ballerina-ish to me which i thought was cool yeah i had a note on that the the moment when she reaches for the beast and then pulls back and kind of brings her hands to her mouth like oh no what's wrong with him (laughs) that reminded me a lot of snow white and i have listened to the plug the podcast here the uh disney animation movie essentials podcast they they broke down uh, snow white a minute at a time and in that podcast they talked about how a lot of her movements are like super over exaggerated and very kind of silent film-esque when they when they had to do that because the actress that they had doing the reference for that animated film that's what she was used to doing because that was like right when sound was starting (laughs) to come into movies so that's what they did back then. You know, they over-exaggerated everything because there wasn't going to be any sound or any words. You mm-hmm. just had to read what was going on and, and tell from their actions. And so her bell pulling her hands to her mouth and kind of that, oh, shocked moment reminded me of that older Disney princess and how she did a lot of actions that way. I love that. That's cool. Everything comes from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was wondering, why in the world does she give him her cloak? Because... She doesn't. Well, we do see her take it off and put it on him. So she does take it off. But I'm just like, why are you even doing that? You have like a really thin shirt and he has like pounds of fur. Like he's not going to die of cold. You will. Oh my goodness. Disney. Janae, she is wearing her summer dress and he only has his giant fur coat and cloak. How selfish of her to keep that cloak to herself. <laughs> no kidding. But but she doesn't really. Then that, I had to watch it a few times because she does take it off and she's obviously going to put it on him as we transition. But then when we see in the next shot as she's carting him away on Philippe, uh, she's wearing her cloak again. Oh. So... What? She must have like taken it off and put it on him for a second and then was like, oh, yeah, forget that. <laughs> put it back on. She's like, what? wait a second. What's that continuity? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so I, feel, I feel like they must have had to cut like a scene here uh-huh. when they do this fade into them walking away because we're definitely missing a part of the story. It does feel abrupt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I have two thoughts about this. One, the crossfading of like, there's a couple of crossfades in this minute. And I really liked that. First of all, I thought that the crossfading kind of lended itself to the music and the tone Mm -hmm. that they were trying to set of this next part of the story in comparison and contrast to the chase scene we just had with the wolves. So the crossfading in and of itself, I really liked and I thought hmm. it worked really well. But in regards to, oh, what was the, what, you, what were we just talking being, about? Uh, it being sort of abrupt. Oh, abrupt. Okay. okay. Story. <laughs> <laughs> I abruptly remembered what I was going to say. <laughs> so this part also, you know, how does she get the beast onto Philippe? The new movie, yes. which neither of you have seen, once again. <laughs> um, 
does add like one line in this scene in the new movie that makes it like, oh, okay, I understand. Where basically he's not completely unconscious and she just says, you're going to have to help me so I can help you. And she basically is like, you have to get up and walk Mm -hmm. um, because I can't carry you. And I mean, I think she still like has the horse help or whatever, but. Yeah. She doesn't lift him by herself. So clearly the new filmmakers had the same question you did. Yes. (laughs) They were like, hmm, how did she do that? How in the world? How are we going to do that? (laughs) Yeah, that was was my big question for this minute is how did she get him on there? And (sighs) the the more logical one is that he is not completely out of it. He... She eventually wakes him up enough to get him to crawl onto Philippe, which that's a really big, I mean, I know horses can carry a lot, but Beast is really big. I was thinking that too. <laughs> I was like, man, that's a heavy beast for him to carry. He doesn't look like he's struggling too much either as he's walking with the beast on his back, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, no kidding. What kind of what kind of horse is Philippe? He's a... Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I know this. It goes back to the beginning of the movie. It goes back to the oh, no. very beginning of the movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, he is a... Um, oh, man. I keep wanting to say Claymore, but that's a that's a sword. That's a kind of a sword. Clydesdale. <laughs> Clydesdale. Is he Clydesdale? But he's not um, one of those. No. Oh, he's not. That's what I thought, too. He's not. Okay. I thought he was just like a workhorse. Some kind of... He is a workhorse. He I remember is, you um... found out the official name or something at some point. He is a... Ugh. Well, I don't know what it is right now, but um, I know I did know what it was once upon a time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, he's a workhorse. Yeah. <laughs> but still, but still he's not as big really as you heavy. think he's going to be. I remember right. we had a discussion about that, mm, about yeah. how Bobby was like, oh, yeah, he's like super huge. And I was like, actually, I think they're only like five or six feet tall, which is not that much. <laughs> right. Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually. Um... Yeah. And I mean, the the beast just sort of dwarfs fully when he's on top of him. So it's, yeah, yes. it's, huge. it's huge. But the other possibility is, since we're in the world of magical 1991 Disney, and we can just attribute everything to the enchantment and magic, I mean, it could be magic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> Bobby, know. you're usually <laughs> the one to jump on that theory. <laughs> this time it's like, okay, what kind of magic would that be? I don't know. There would know. have to be like, hey, suddenly the curse picks up Beast and sets him on the horse. Then why not just fly him back to the castle or something? Well, you know what? <laughs> At the end, he does get like caught up in a swirl of lights and fireworks. So... It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. (laughs) That's the breaking of the curse. So I feel like, you know, that's the the final expellation of all the cursely energy. I thought it would have been a lot cooler since she's an inventor's daughter and extremely intelligent if she had to, like, bust out some ropes and pulleys that she happened to have in her saddlebags and, like, pulley them on. Maybe she did. You just didn't see it. Maybe maybe. That, maybe that's the part that they cut out. They had yeah. to cut it out for time. They were like, man, this movie's getting too long. What can we cut? Well, I guess we can cut this part. No, but actually, that that actually would have been a really good character building element yeah. to add in there. That's actually a they really, could have done really that in the idea. new movie too, right, yeah. because that's something they were like big on in the new movie. She's an inventor. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we had done this podcast like two years ago, they probably would have hired us as like movie. Oh. <laughs> 
screen <laughs> consultant. Yes. Things. Oh no. Would we have had all the same ideas though two years ago? Probably. Mm. I don't. Know, I don't know why. We not. would have been like, there's like whole two whole years of experience we wouldn't have had though. I guess so. And I now we're too know. late for Mulan as well. No. And to be fair, some <laughs> of the stuff we're pulling is from the new movie. Usually, I think we come up with ideas, and then a lot of the like, ideas oh, we come up with, though, they could have put in the movie, and they didn't. <laughs> That's too bad. I guess so uh. I should give y'all more credit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so they get back, right? Should we move on in the minute? They get back, and crossfades to Mrs. Potts, pouring hot water into that freaking cool gold water basin that's got like four <laughs> feet and like it's like fancy dancy well, he I, is royalty he is royalty this is true he was a real prince well according to bobby <laughs> <laughs> yes anyway yeah yes. i just thought that basin was like really fancy and cool so that's my only note about that wait 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 but but he was a real prince right this is, Bobby? <laughs> this isn't a previous minute, isn't it, that I'm missing? Yes, well, that's okay. So, so early in the movie, or early in the, the podcast episodes, I guess, I believe I discovered who the Beast could have been in real actual history. Oh. Could have okay, been. Okay, I need could to go back been. and... All right, I need to go back and listen to uh-huh. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that was like episode 27 okay. or something. Oh, you have it memorized? Well, I that's the one know. I usually send people to, and I'm like, hey, go check out that one. That was a good one. Oh, I should go re-listen to that again. I always send people to minute 40 because we have Tony Bancroft <laughs> on. That is a good one, too. <laughs> depending on depending on what I'm telling people, I'm like, hey, we have awesome guests. Episode 40. Hey, we have crazy theories. Episode 27. Oh, that's true. <laughs> good point. Good point. Fair enough. Which I, I, I also listened to minute 40 just recently. And, and it, when Tony Bancroft is talking about the animation being all over the place, watching this minute by minute was an interesting experience because it's not something I hadn't done before. And seeing, wow, Bell's animation really is all over the place. Yeah, I was, know. It was a new experience. It was enlightening. <laughs> well, when you're a kid, you just don't Tony, even notice. Why? Right, yeah. And when you're taking and when you're taking in a, a, a movie as a whole, you're just sort of sort of getting an impression of sort mm-hmm. of the general atmosphere of the animation more than the specific frames. Whereas this, you only have sixty mm-hmm. seconds to watch and you can analyze every little bit, which is what we're doing right now. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Okay, so there is also this moment that I really loved really quick in this minute so she is you see her dip this rag in the basin to get it wet with hot water and then she's like wringing it out and you hear this like kind of feral growl or whatever from the beast (laughs) and her attention is diverted to him and i really love that i feel like they've done that quite a few times in this movie up to this point at least where they have a character doing something or focused on something and they become redirected or refocused onto something else because something draws their attention, which I love because I feel like that really happens in real life all the time. Mm-hmm. You're like focused on what you're doing and then all of a sudden somebody's like, hey, 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 or whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Not that I've had anyone do that to me. <gasps> I, I actually but... just had someone do that to me this morning. It was it was kind of strange. Actually. Say hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it was when I was waking up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, not a true story. <laughs> uh, so 
I just really liked that they have these moments that are really real and help you to see people experiencing life and... I don't know. I just liked it. I mean, we saw that same thing with the rose where she was like looking at his slashed portrait and then right as she was about to finish putting it up so she could actually see the whole thing, the light from the rose like shined and caught her attention and then she went over Mm -hmm. to the rose. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I love Belle in this scene of the movie. (laughs) Well, I guess this whole, these last two scenes, but especially this part where she's taking care of the beast. And I feel like... I might be making it up, but I feel like she has like a much more like homey, comfortable look about her. Like her hair is kind of a little more poofy and obviously she just like went through a storm, (laughs) snowstorm. Uh, But I feel like it's kind of like she's let her hair down, even though it's been down the whole time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's getting to work. She's ringing out the thing. She's helping the beast. She feels more comfortable in her surroundings because she's accepted to be there. You know, not just agreed to be in prison there, but she has made the decision that she wants to stay and she wants to help. And so she's getting more comfortable and she's getting into whatever her role is going to be. She's more comfortable in it. And so I love that about it. And then especially as we're here returning to the castle, there's a shift in the lighting, which the last few scenes have all been, you know, very dark and bluey purple. I don't know. I'm kind of colorblind, but they've had kind of that dark feel to them. And here we have a little bit of that left but it's definitely a brighter and it's got a lot more yellows in it in the Mm -hmm. scene. And then going forward, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in the following scenes. Yeah. I love that. Good point. You want to talk about the room? The room? The room. I want you to talk about the room. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know you always notice a lot more about the rooms than I do. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a pretty good shot of not the whole room, but of a, a section of the room. We have the fireplace, We have a bunch of urns and stuff over there by the fireplace. And we have, obviously, they are kind of there in the the center-ish of the screen. We've got the beast in this enormous wingback chair, which I tried to find online to see, like, hey, I wonder if we can actually buy something like this. No, no, there's, I mean, I'm sure there is somewhere, but I couldn't find anything with a quick Google search that looked, you know, even kind of that large and awesome. So good luck finding one of those if you're looking for one for your study. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's too bad I was. <laughs> but yeah, we see a bunch of a bunch of the the servants and Belle and the Beast are there, obviously. And then in the background, we see the crest or coat of arms. I guess it'd be more appropriate on the wall. That I think this is—is is this the same room that Maurice was in in the beginning, right? I I feel like it is. I think that's the exact same chair that Maurice was sitting in. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Is like the chair and seems like very similar. It's like the fireplace is mm-hmm. in the same spot, and I'm not sure if the rug is the same, but I think um, everything else is is similar enough yeah. that we could call it the same room. Let's just call it the same room. <laughs> but yeah, on the wall there we have the coat of arms, and so I spent way too much time probably looking up coats of arms. <laughs> for like nobility and all that stuff. And I couldn't really find one that looked exactly right. This is an eagle. It's kind of like an eagle. He's got his wings up and his legs sticking out. And there are eagles all over the place. I mean, in America, we've got them. Germany's used them. France, pretty much everybody at some point has used an eagle. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to find one that looked similar. But I did eventually come across an eagle that looked pretty similar from a coat of arms from Saxony, which is a German state. So way back in the day, they had it. It wasn't like the main symbol, but it was like incorporated into several of their coats of arms. And that kind of ties in because according to my theory of who the beast is, uh, Maria Josefa of Saxony is his mother. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Look at that. I wonder if Disney knew that. 
Probably not. They probably just like, hey, look a bird. Let's stick them on there. <laughs> An eagle. <laughs> but yeah, so in her coat of arms, there were like this little eagle. It's pretty much the same one, but it was just like a small one put several times into her coat of arms. And then there's a guy called uh, Frederic de Saxe who was lived from like 1473 to 1510. And his had a pretty prominent eagle. There were like four things, and I think one of them was an eagle. And so he was, you know, a big guy back in Saxony before it was Saxony, I think. That's cool. So, yeah, we tie into the German side, into Beast's heritage. And then above the fireplace, we have a few more shields. And there we definitely have the blue and white of France, which is pretty common in their coats of arms. And there's another shield with something on it, but we can't see enough of that to, to be able to tell what it is. And besides all that, there's just some like giant urns and stuff, which I couldn't really find anything significant about them besides the fact that there's probably like fire pokers and stuff in the big, huge one. Probably. Uh, yeah, they got to have fancy stuff, castle. How would you have liked to do the set dressing for that movie for the castle? So do they have, sorry, just coming into this, do they have like a set dresser role for animated films? Is that I have like no a idea. separate thing? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I don't remember Tony saying anything about that. Right, right. Not knowing what I'm talking about, I believe that those are just like the background artists. Sure. I know that in a lot so of yes. the... <laughs> so yes, there are, essentially. Basically, yeah. Of, yeah. I don't know if there's like a, a director of background artists that says, okay, we need this and this and this in the backgrounds, or if they're just like, hey, we need a room that looks fancy and <laughs> then they can go free and you know, put whatever they want. So hopefully we'll get somebody that uh, might know some more about that. We have some yeah. animators that will probably be coming on soon. Oh, very cool. So next we have like one of the funniest parts of this whole <laughs> minute is their little bickering match. <laughs> and it starts off with him licking his wound and like... Like a cat. Like a cat. <laughs> and he's very... He's very beastly and animalistic during this part. He's mm -hmm. um, got his, oh, what are they called? His hackles are raised mm. and he's like clutching his arm and he's growling. Anyway, just very much in his primal state. Yes. That is the word I was looking for. Primal state. <laughs> primal state. So I was wondering, why does she tell him not to lick it? Is that like actually bad? Because I feel like tons of animals would lick their wounds and they are fine. Yeah, that's interesting. And I thought it was funny as I was watching this with my three-year-old. She was like, why is his arm not bleeding? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're very observant. I don't know if you should know <laughs> why that's not bleeding. Uh, Kids these but days, yeah. they want that gritty realism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. But yeah, I I think, you know, it is normal for animals to do that. That's how they clean their wounds. And so she is telling him not to do that because it's her job. You know, that's not the job she's consciously taken on. But her, her role here is to bring him back to humanity. So she's uh -huh. trying to say, okay, stop being an animal. You are a person. Uh, so stop licking your wounds. Let me rub them with this towel. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to hurt. <laughs> yes. Which we'll I'm wondering what is in that <laughs> water that actually stings because it looks like it stings pretty bad at the end <laughs> yeah it, it does because it looks I like she's just pouring water in there but 
witch hazel, like <laughs> alcohol, peppermint oil. I mean, I don't know what else. Yeah, I was gonna burn. say we saw a lot of wine and beer at the be our guest segment. <laughs> I wonder if uh, <laughs> any of that is in there. That's so for like, drinking. Right. Mold alcohol. Right. Uh. Right. I think it's interesting that she was so afraid in the previous like what three minutes, and she like was like I have to get away and ran away, and now she's like not even phased by his like <laughs> face where he's like looks like he wants to bite her head off, and she's just like, <laughs> oh you poor thing, let me just fix this. <laughs> I'm yeah. like okay. But her, his servants are definitely scared. Like, Lumiere is hugging Cogsworth. If that doesn't say scared for Lumiere, I don't know what does. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would not be hugging Cogsworth otherwise. I didn't notice that. I mean, they're definitely cowering, but <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and and I've got to believe that, that that change comes from that decision she's just made before. Where mm-hmm. if she was running away in fear, now she's turning around and coming back in love and you know, love doesn't have that fear component to it. So now coming back to him, she's saying, I'm going to love you whether you friggin' like it or not <laughs> kind of thing, even if you're even if you're in pain. So yeah. I wonder if that must that's gotta be where that's that's coming from, right? She's just had this turn in the story. That's mm-hmm. a really good to show point. That. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that is a good point. Mm-hmm. And she's also realized that, you know, he's not going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. As we talked right. about in the last minute, right. how he's yelling at her and breaking stuff. And we noticed that he wasn't, you know, he, we didn't think from his point of view, he's not trying to hurt her. He's just upset and not good at showing that. From her point of view, he's breaking stuff and trying to get at her and smash her to pieces. Mm-hmm. And so she realized when he came and fought a, off a pack of wolves that maybe he's not wanting her dead. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And she's just not going to put up with his with his. Well, I mean, anymore. he's also being such a big baby here, so it's probably <laughs> a lot easier for her to just be like, "Oh my gosh, right. get over yourself." It's a scratch, which obviously it's more than just a scratch. If you look at it, it looks like deep gashes. But he definitely is acting like a big baby, the petulant child that he <laughs> never outgrew. Yeah. But, yeah, I love that he like tries to keep his arm away from her as she's like, chasing uh, it uh, down. Uh, uh. <laughs> and I love how she says, so she says, just hold still. And it's like, you can tell that she's trying to be like, it won't hurt a bit, but you can tell that it will. So I yeah. don't blame him for trying to get away from her because it's like <laughs> the false promises voice. <laughs> right. She has to work really hard to get it, though. And then their argument. <laughs> oh, the argument. Oh, the argument. Their reasoning. I, my <laughs> very favorite, though, is where she's like, what does she say? I just watched it. <laughs> Drawing a blank on what her line is. She basically um, has this comeback and, uh, oh, she said she wouldn't have run away if he hadn't frightened her. And he's like, oh. And then he's he like takes a full second to be like, Dang, yeah, she got like, me. Oh, and then he like has this brilliant like, ah, but <laughs> you shouldn't have been in the West Wing. Right. And he has this like look of complete <laughs> triumph that yeah. he has won this argument. And then she comes back with, well, you should learn to control your temper. And then he has nothing after that. Right. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I've got Because he knows. 
he, he knows. knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love his facial expressions throughout the whole argument. And it's such a teenage argument. I know, so right? They we, really we both can, are we teenagers. Can that from her. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's supposed to be almost 21. Oh, okay. So, well, okay, so he's yeah. still kind of practically he's a teenager. Still basically yeah. a teenager. Technically, he's not. Too he's far, not but... Hasn't really had to have any growing up experiences yet. Yeah. So we'll, we'll let them slide on that. I did love that, you know, she goes after him with the cloth, gets in on his arm that first time, and he that's when he yells and scares everybody. But she just, like, stands there and doesn't move. I guess she's on her knees, but she stays there. And he's yelling, like, right in her face. And her and hair's he's yelling flying. so strong that her hair <laughs> flies, like, right. straight back. And she's just like, whatever, I'm not leaving. <laughs> she's like, have a hissy fit if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second time where she like touches his arm at the end with the thing again, he's like, ooh, but he realizes he was actually just way overreacting and it doesn't hurt that bad, I feel like. <laughs> well, and she has to go to the classic doctor nurse lie. I tried to look up when this thing started, but I couldn't find anything on the internet <laughs> about it where she's like, this might sting a little. You might feel some slight <laughs> pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like doctors and nurses always use that and it's always a lie uh, <laughs> oh is that what the beginning <laughs> I was so confused with your opening thing one lying yes. caretaker at a time I was like what the heck is he even <laughs> talking is about, about? <laughs> so anyone else who's listening who was also confused by that opening now we all know Here we are. what we're talking about <laughs> we're all on the same page <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to find like an official term for that particular lie that nurses and doctors tell all the time, but there isn't one. But there so. isn't one. <laughs> oh, I love it. We should come up with one. Be like, the, the, here, here's deception. my contribute the Hippocratic lie. That's oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Episode title. <laughs> but yes. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's pretty much all the notes I have on this minute. Do either of you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? I did have one thought about um, about this se- sequence in particular, their argument and right proceeding. I was noticing <clears throat> one uh, one thing I've noticed as I've gotten older and watched more children's movies is that uh, <laughs> as, as my life goes on. It's a bit of a on, contradiction. Yeah. One, anyway, um, yeah. A, as I've watched them, as I've grown older, I've I've noticed it seems like the pace has picked up. And I think a little bit of that has to do with that thing where when you're young, time just seems to stretch on and on. And when you're old, mm-hmm. it just sort of compresses. Uh, so watching this sequence again, I was like, gosh, I feel like the pace is just so fast. I feel like uh, watching it again, I remember there being more distance between the pauses and more um more time during this argument than than there really is and it's it's still an effective scene it was just sort of surprising watching it again after it's probably been i I can't remember the last time i watched this movie (laughs) all the way through uh and so it was really fascinating uh seeing it that way being older and hopefully wiser (laughs) now (laughs) Well, thanks for your newfound insights. Well, certainly. (laughs) And I think that is also all that I have for this minute. It's definitely one that I love. It's definitely a shift in the movie, in their relationship. So this is a big moment. Big stuff is happening. um, And I really like it. So if you want to get a hold of us, as always, all over the place, we are Beastly Minute on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we have a YouTube channel now. It doesn't have all the episodes, but I'm going back, hopefully, and making YouTube videos for the episodes. So 
If you like YouTube more than listening to podcasts, you should check that out and subscribe over there. If not, you can find us here. Be sure to subscribe and get the podcasts as they come out and contact us. Let us know what you think about all this stuff, our crazy ideas and theories, or if you just want to get a hold of us, you can do that as well. And you can find me on growlermedia.com where we have other podcasts that are excellent to listen to or send me an email. What about you, Janae? How can people get a hold of you? You are welcome to visit my website, JanaeHyatt.com, where you can listen to my voiceover portfolio. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email on my website as well. I'm on Facebook. Just look for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. (laughs) (laughs) And Ashton, if people want to get a hold of you, is there some way they can do that or are they out of luck? Yeah, well, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook and uh, send me a script. Hire me for something. Uh, <laughs> I am readily available uh, and also really need friends. So, yeah, please find me on Facebook. <laughs> and what, what would people need to search you to find you on there? Just Ashton Lewis. You should find me. I'm, I'm in a couple different communities, the Dallas Film Community on there. So friends through there. I think right now my profile is Facebook.com slash Ashton Lewis 2013 because that's the last time I changed that personalization thing that they have on there. So so feel free to find me on there and add me. Awesome. Well, like I said, thanks again for being here with us. It's been fun. And until next time, this might sting a little. Probably not. They probably just like, hey, look a bird. Let's stick them on there. <laughs> Kids these days, they want that gritty realism. I just watched it. One thing I've noticed as I've gotten older and watched more children's movies. Oh my gosh, you're the right. fan one. <laughs> so intense. I'm keeping your bones.